Good morning, church. Today, you have the privilege to hear from my friend, Mike Gazzardo. Mike was on staff at Gateway Church in, in Dallas, and he's no stranger to our church. He has uh, spoken at our student camp before, and then last summer he was with us at TC. And God's hand is all over Mike, and I'm excited to hear today uh, what God has given him to give to us. Would you put your hands together and welcome Mike Gazzardo to the stage? Awesome, thank you so much. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on guys, this is the 11 o'clock service. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, there you go. You should have had at least two or three cups of coffee and be awake by now, so. Uh, anyway, wanna welcome everybody uh, here. We also wanna welcome all of our campuses tuning in. Wanna welcome South Tulsa, Midtown, Downtown, Owasso, and Jinx. You guys have all kinds of campuses. Why don't we give everybody a hand, welcome our church family at every campus. So neat to see what God is doing here. Also want to uh, welcome, or not welcome, but um, just give a shout out to all of the dads in the house at every campus. Can we give another round of applause for all the dads out there? <laughs> Happy Father's Day to all of the dads. Play such an incredible role um, in, in your family. You know, it's, it's funny. I was actually speaking on Mother's Day, and I was commending the moms. You know, I was thinking through all the things that moms have to go through to get a kid here, you know? I thought about the pregnancy and how that can be so tough for, you know, for some women, most women. And then there's the birth process, which is crazy. And so I was thinking, what could, what could I commend the dads, you know, for the whole conception process? I thought, you know, there's, there's really, they just got the better end of that deal. So, you know, but, but we do play a huge role uh, in the lives of our, our kids, our families, our wives. And so thank you, dads, for all that you do, the way you sacrifice um, on a day-in and day-out basis, so honor you. And uh, I too am a dad, actually, and my wife, Alicia, we've married almost 14 years and have four kids. So next time you're in your prayer closet, think of the Gazzardo family and uh, pray for us. So it is a circus every day in our home. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of funny, my wife told me the other day, she said there was this couple that we had met, and she said, hey, maybe we should invite them over for dinner. And I looked at her and said, are you kidding me? I'm like, what would you like me to say to them? Like, hey, we'd like to invite you to a night of chaos at the Gazardos. Come on over, you know? I'm like, why don't we invite them over after the kids are in bed? So it's a, it's a ton of fun, but, but a crazy season uh, for us. So, um, so great to be back with you guys, though. Uh, as Pastor Alex said, I want to thank him for the opportunity to be here. But as he said, I was here last summer uh, with you guys. Some of you may remember and, and got a chance uh, a few summers ago to be with your students at student camp. And so have just grown to love this church and feel at home here and, and love you guys and I'm thankful uh, to be back. And so uh, this morning I want to talk to you guys actually about the, the topic of perseverance. And the, the title of today's message is called The Power of Perseverance. And I, I want to do that because, you know, in life there are so many things that get, get thrown our way. You know, we live obviously in a fallen world, and God, that wasn't God's original design, but we know that sin entered the world, and so just as a result of being in a fallen world, there's all kinds of things that come against us in life on a constant basis that we have to deal with. We've got an enemy that's working full-time to try to steal, kill, and destroy from our life. Through all that, God is trying to work through us and lead us and guide us in steps of obedience that sometimes require faith and feel uncomfortable as he is developing us and building character in us. And so it can lead to a lot of tough and confusing times, and we need some tools sometimes to navigate those things well. And I'm sure, you know, maybe for this audience, you know, there, there's probably nobody in here that is going through anything difficult at this moment or... Um, nobody that's waiting on a promise from God that feels delayed. Uh, probably no one in here that's facing any resistance in any area of their life. Um, but just in case there might be a couple, um, I believe the Lord wants to encourage you this morning 
uh, to keep going, to not give up because it's going to be worth it as he proves faithful in the end. Galatians 6, 9 tells us this. It says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I feel like the Lord wants to impress that scripture into your heart this morning to remind you that this is a promise from God's word and that we may face all kinds of things in life, but if we just keep going and we don't grow weary and don't give up, that there always is a harvest on the other end. And I think it's important to take some time and remind ourselves of this because it's just human nature to want to throw in the towel when we face resistance, right? I mean, even if you just think about some of the simple things we go through in life, like have you guys ever made one of those decisions where you, you, know, you kind of say, all right, that's it. I'm drawing a line in the sand. It's time to get in shape. Right? You ever done this? And so, you know, you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, I'm going to get the gym membership. And, you know, you start dieting and eating everything green. And, you know, you scour the infomercials and buy the latest, greatest, you know, booty minimizer, you know, <laughs> guaranteed to take the jiggle out of your wiggle. You know, you order that thing and, and you're doing everything right. And so like, you know, maybe you wait a week, you know, and, and then you weigh yourself. And so you're walking up to the scale and you're super confident because you know you've just been crushing it, right? And so you're thinking, you know, I'm going to step on the scale. I'm going to be half the woman I used to be, you know? And, and so you step on the scale and you look down confidently and you gained one pound. You ever been there, you know? And how many of you, your first step is not, that's okay. I'll just persevere for another seven weeks doing what I'm doing and hopefully, you know. Or you're like, forget that. You want to take the scale and throw it out the window, right? You're like, I could have gained one pound eating donuts, you know. But it's true. It's like we, we, sometimes we get in those situations so frustrating we just want to quit. You know, or maybe, uh, have you ever, guys ever started a home improvement project and maybe you bit off a little bit more than you could chew? You ever been there, Right. You know, I, some of you guys are probably thinking, how many of you out there, you're like, you know, Mr. Handy, can fix anything, comes easy for you? Yeah, a couple of you. Awesome. Just know the rest of us hate you, okay? Be- because I'm that guy, it doesn't matter what I try, like something always goes wrong for me, you know? Sometimes it's my fault. Sometimes it's these random anomalies that just, I don't know if God's trying to create entertainment for the rest of the angels or what, but it just, something always goes wrong. And I remember this time when... Um, we have a, a pantry in our home and, you know, they should have put the light switch on the outside of the pantry so that you could turn it on, open the door and, and walk in. But, but the light switch is on the inside of the pantry. So you open the door, it's kind of dark and you're kind of feeling around on the wall for the, you know, for the light switch. And so my wife says, babe, you know what would be awesome uh, is, is if we could get one of those motion lights, you know, so as soon as you open the door, the light will just go on. And I said, great idea, babe, let, let me take care of that for you. And she knows my condition, so she's like, wait, 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 Um, are you sure you don't want to call someone, you know, to do that for you? And I'm like, babe, I got this. Okay, no problem. So, you know, I go to Home Depot, and I'm, you know, trying to find the right little light switch, and he's asking me all these questions like, well, is it a bipole, a tripole, a single pole? And I'm like, I don't even know what poles are, you know, so I got to go back and take my thing apart, and, and then I buy one, and I come back home, and it's like attached the green wire to the green wire, you know, and the red wire to the red wire, and all my wires are black coming out of my wall, you know, and I'm thinking, I, I, you know. And it probably would have been fine if, if they hadn't have mislabeled the breaker uh, in my garage. And, and so, you know, I'm quite certain that I shut off the one that said pantry. Um, but as soon as I touched the wire, it, it was not off. And 
Um, I, I don't know if you've ever been shocked by a live wire, but I, I swear I feel like one of my 10 remaining hair follicles just died and fell to the ground right there on the spot. You know, for, for some of you, that's probably not a big deal, but for me, that represents about a 10% hair loss. So I was, I was kind of upset. Um, but I remember just being so frustrated at that point. I thought, I don't care if you have to use flashlights to get in this pantry. Like, I am done, you know, trying to fix this thing. Or maybe you've had a situation in your marriage Ever been in one of those frustrating conversations where you just want to throw up your hands and walk out of the room, say, forget it? You know, it's funny because women are forever speaking to the heart of an issue. And men are ever speaking to the logic of an issue. And missing the deeper thing. And so it often leads to a lot of conflict, even over some of the simplest of conversations. Like maybe you can imagine a scenario you've been through something similar where, let's just say that, you know, husband comes home and it's been a long day at work and... And he's tired and, you know, and the wife, maybe she's come home from a long day at work or, you know, watching the kids and she's tired. And, and so they get finished with dinner and, and, and the husband gets up, he's walking off and he's thinking, hey, maybe I'm going to go out to the garage and work on a project or you know, watch a game. And, and he just gets around the corner when all of a sudden the voice of the lovely wife of his youth <laughs> catches up with him from around the corner and says, honey, would you mind doing the dishes? And he's looking at the door like, I was so close. You know, I was just almost out of earshot. And so, you know, trying to get over his disappointment, he says, yes, yes, I can do the dishes. To which his wife replies something like this. Just forget it, I'll do them myself. <laughs> and he looks back at her and says, what, what are you talking about? I, I, just, I just said I would do the dishes. Why would you say something like that? And then she starts with this whole woman code thing, you know, and she's like, because I don't want you to just do the dishes. <laughs> And he looks back at her and he's like, but you just said that you wanted me to, do I, I'm sorry, what? You know? And she says, I don't want you to just do the dishes. I want you to want to do the dishes. You know? And he looks back and he's like, why would anybody want to do the dishes? You know? And she says, because I want you to want to help me. You know? And he's like, I do want to help you. That's why I said I do the dishes in the first place. And then women, all of them are innately born with this gift that they can remember every wrong you've ever committed from the beginning of the relationship up until now. And they will strategically pull out those circumstances and use them to bolster their point, right? And so then she'll look back and say, no, you don't, because 17 years ago, you said, you know. And the whole thing just spins out of control. You just want to throw up your hands and walk out of the room. We all face stuff like that. But listen, how many of you guys have been married long enough to know that in actuality, some of your greatest breakthroughs in marriage come on the other side of persevering through some really tough conversations? How many of you have ever stuck with working out long enough to know that actually some of your biggest breakthroughs physically come on the other side of pressing through some of those seasons of plateaus where you just feel like you're not making any progress? And yes, if you're willing to endure an electric shock or two, you actually can end up with a better lighting solution for your pantry if you don't give up. Well, listen, I'm here to tell you that in the same way, some of your greatest breakthroughs that you will ever experience in life spiritually come on the other side of persevering through some tough circumstances that you face in life. And so I think the Lord, knowing the joy and the benefit that's on the other side, wants to encourage us to not give up, to keep going, and remind us that he's going to prove faithful as we walk through our hard times. And so listen, I don't know what particular situation you're facing this morning. You know, maybe you've got an area of your life that you really thought it was going to go a certain way and it didn't, and you're wrestling with that disappointment and trying to figure out where is God in the midst of this. Maybe you're waiting on a promise that you feel like you had from God and it just has gone on so much longer than you thought without being fulfilled. 
Maybe you've got a marriage situation that seems hopeless. You know, maybe you stepped out in faith. You felt like God called you to do something, to take a, a new job or do something, and, and you stepped out in faith, and it seems like as soon as you stepped out, everything's just gone wrong. And you're going, God, did I miss you? You know, where are you in all this? What, what, what is happening? And maybe there's a trial that's come your way. Maybe the enemy is resisting you in some way, and you're going, God, how do I, how do I fight this resistance? What do I do, and how do I handle this situation? I don't know what your situation is, but I believe this morning the Lord wants to give you some keys to walk through this well. Because I can't impress this in your mind enough is that so many of the greatest moments we, we experience in life and experience spiritually will come if we just don't give up in those moments. Because can I tell you, the temptation when things get hard is to just run, to not deal with it, to think about something else, to not face it head on, to, to maybe just say, forget it, God, I'm gonna go over here where it's more comfortable. And I think some of you, the Lord wants to remind you this morning that you're closer to a breakthrough than you realize. And to hang in there, to keep going because he's got incredible things for you on the other side that he doesn't want you to miss. So let me give you just a, a few principles this morning that you can hopefully apply to your life right now. And if everything in your life is going perfect, uh, write them down because uh, at some point, um, we all face things in life, right? So principle number one is simply this. When we're going through tough times to help us persevere well, we're going to have to remind yourself of God's character. Remind yourself of his character. You know, I really believe that one of the greatest tactics that the enemy uses to, to kind of cause us to lose our resolve in pressing forward is he causes us to question or to doubt God's character for us or his intentions towards us in the midst of a situation. And when we go through hard times or confusing situations, it's prime opportunity for him to try to taint our thinking and try to twist the way that we see God. In fact, I actually call this the original deception because this is the very tactic that the enemy used on Eve to get her to fall in the garden. And he uses it on us to this day. In fact, let me, let me read this account of what happens here and we'll break this down a little bit and so you can see how this works. And it's in Genesis chapter three and you can turn there if you have a Bible or it'll come up on the screens. But in the first couple of verses, it says this. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You'll not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it and gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now we've all heard this account, but I wonder if you like I have at some point, have you ever read this story and wondered like, you know, what was the difference between the two times that the enemy kind of tried to tempt Eve to eat the fruit? You know, like the first time he tries to tempt her, you notice how she's not even interested? Like literally, she just replies and says, God said don't eat it or touch it lest we surely die. Right? She's talked to the hand and she's moving on, right? And, and so then the enemy tries again, and then like 30 seconds later, she's like, that's true, sounds like a good idea, I'll take a bite. Do you ever wonder like, what happened? Look, I want you to see what the enemy did to cause Eve to fall. Is notice how when she says no the first time, he didn't, you know, tempt her again by highlighting the attributes of the fruit. He didn't say, are you sure, Eve, that you don't want to eat this fruit? Because look at how juicy it looks. Doesn't it look great? Are you sure you don't want to take a bite? 
What he did is he began to attack her perception of God in the midst of the circumstances. He said, are you sure that instruction of God is protecting you? Because I think God's holding out on you. God isn't keeping you from something bad. He's keeping you from something good. See, the difference in the two times that Eve viewed the situation had nothing to do with how she saw the fruit. I'm sure the fruit looked great both times. It had everything to do with how she saw God in the midst of the situation. See, the first time she viewed the fruit, she viewed it through the eyes of God is protecting me. His instructions are keeping me from harm, so I'm not interested. The second time she viewed that same fruit with the idea of maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe he really isn't protecting me. Maybe he is keeping me from something good. And so she made a horrible choice. And can I tell you something? The same thing happens to us. When the enemy is able to just kind of erode and he does it one thought at a time, like waves on a seashore, trying to erode our trust, our confidence in God's faithfulness and goodness in our life. And when that happens and we start viewing situations like that, we too uh, very quickly will begin to make bad choices and stop persevering in what God has called us to. You know, I'll tell you something, you guys. I really believe in every situation we have two choices in how we can choose to view life. You can view God's character through the lens of your circumstances, or you can view your circumstances through the lens of God's character. And the differences in those two views are profound. See, the the first one looks like this. If you choose to view God's character through the lens of your circumstances, what you say is this. I'm going through a tough time right now. I don't like the way things are working out in this situation of my life. I'm confused, I'm frustrated, and, and, and I'm uncomfortable. That must mean God is not caring, unconcerned. He's not being faithful to me. He's not gonna come through. See, but when you choose to view your circumstances through the lens of God's character, it looks like this. Same circumstances. I don't like where I'm at right now. I'm uncomfortable. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I don't understand what's going on, but I know that God is faithful. I know that he's good. I know that he's gonna work all things together for me for good according to to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It says in Romans 8, 28, I know he's gonna be faithful to me. See, one of them causes us to lose heart and want to quit. The other one strengthens us and allows us to move forward trusting that God's character will eventually supersede what we see in the natural. Knowing that our faith is more real than our sight. Our sight is temporary, but our faith in God's word will always prove true in the end. You know, I'll tell you what, you guys, I think that for some of us, we need to maybe look at a litmus test of our life. If you find yourself worrying consistently, if you find yourself wrestling with fear, hopelessness, if you start to feel like, you know, I just, you have a situation come up and it's almost like despondent, you know, I don't really know if God's gonna mess with that, or, you know, you start to feel like quitting, that's a sure sign that you've lost sight of God's character. And I know it may seem like a simple step, but it's one of those things that's simple that has a profound impact. When that happens, we've got to take some time and proactively begin to renew our mind and remind ourselves of who God really is. And some of you, it's as simple as that, of pulling out some scriptures, of walking through some things, of beginning to kind of combat those thoughts and take them captive and go, I know my mind wants to think that, my logic wants to think that, but the truth, which is higher than my logic, says something different. And I'm gonna choose to let my thoughts rest with the truth instead of what my mind wants to believe. You know, I I think that the Psalms are a great example of this. Right, you guys ever, I love reading the Psalms because they always have this pattern that they follow where the first half of the Psalms is David just complaining about some area of his life. Right, like I literally think that the Psalms might be the origin of country music. 
you know? I mean, it's just like, he'll start out like, you know, all my friends have deserted me, you know, my dog just died, I've got an ingrown toenail on every toe, you know, it's just, something's going wrong all the time. But then in most of those Psalms, if you watch, there's a turn somewhere in the middle where David starts to encourage himself in the character of God. And he starts to say, but the Lord is my hope and my confidence. Whom shall I fear? What can man do to me? He's my rock and my high fortress. He loves me. Why are you disquieted within me, my soul? Hope in God. He's the hope and the strength of my confidence. And he starts to encourage himself in the character of God. And what started out as a time of frustration and lament ends up in a time of praise, strengthening him to be able to continue to persevere. It would be the same for us. You know, that's why the Israelites, when they went through things, you remember how many times they built monuments to remember the character of God so they didn't forget it when tough times came. You know, one of the accounts of this is, in, um, uh, is when they just crossed the, the Jordan River in Joshua chapter 4. And as soon as they crossed the river, it says this in, in verses 20 and 22. It said, it was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. See, he was smart. What he was doing is, look, I know there's going to be another crisis of faith that comes. I know that there's going to be another tough time. There's going to be maybe even years down the road, another situation like this. And when that happens, I want you to point to this monument and remind yourself and recall what God did on this day so that you view that circumstance in light of the character that he's revealed to us in our history. Can I tell you something? What about the monuments in your life? Look, I know maybe what you're going through right now seems insurmountable, but just look back over your life. How many other times have you faced things that you thought there was no way out and God came through? You didn't know how you were gonna make it through, but somehow God brought you to the other side. Pull out those journals where you recorded some of those things and begin to remind yourself of who he is. Grab a hold of some scriptures and put them on your mirror, your refrigerator. Memorize them if you need to. And proactively begin to resist the enemy's subtle onslaught to try to make you view God's character through what you're experiencing in the natural. You know, I remember going through a particularly tough season of my life and, you know, literally almost brought me to the edge of my sanity. I felt like there were some things going on in my life that were very pressing and then in the midst of that, the Lord was asking me to take a step of obedience to lay some things down that was really difficult for me and, and so there was just all this kind of confluence of events happening at the same time, and, and, and it just kept going on, and, you know, I wasn't, I knew the Lord was going to take care of me somehow, but I just didn't know how it was going to work out. And so I remember getting these scriptures and just memorizing them. You know, one of them was Psalms 910. In fact, it still hangs in a plaque over uh, in my office to this day, and it, it says, they that know your name will trust you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those that seek you. And you, you guys, I mean, literally, this is how just simple and honest I had to be, like, just to convince myself it was going to be okay. I remember, you know, I'd walk through the scripture, and I'd be like, okay, they that know your name, so those that know your character, know your ways, will put their trust in you, for you've never forsaken those that seek you. Okay, so I'm seeking you, and you've never forsaken anyone that seeks you, so if I'm seeking you and you forsake me, then, then you're going to transgress your word and if you transgress your word then that'd make you a liar and if you're a liar then you wouldn't be perfect anymore and if you're not perfect anymore then you'd cease to become God and the whole universe would spin out of control and, and, and I'm pretty confident that you're not going to risk all that just to screw me over. So you know, so I'm going to hang in there and trust that you're going to come through, right? I mean it sounds funny but literally I needed to do that just to go, no, yeah, nope, that makes sense. Okay, I, you know, he's going to come through for me. 
and remind myself of his character that he has never forsaken those that seek him. And so the first thing we need to do, you guys, when we go through some of these times, we've got to remind ourselves of God's character and continually make sure we see him as he is so that we can persevere through some of those tough times. The second thing we need to do, we go through trials or confusing situations or resistance in our life, is we need to embrace the process. Embrace the process. Now, I know this is probably the least fun, right? None of us want the process. We just want the end result, right? But what it tells us in James 1, 4, it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so here's the thing. I know we don't love to hear this, um, but guys, we do need to realize that, believe it or not, God's greatest goal as we go through circumstances and tough times in our life is actually not just getting us to the other side. That's our greatest goal, right? We just want the victory. But God's greatest goal, though he enjoys the victory too, his greatest goal is actually the character, the trust, and the relationship with him that's built in the process to getting to the other side. And and the reason why he values that is not because he likes to see us struggle. On the contrary, when we get to the other side of a promise or the fulfillment of a a trial or whatever it is, that, that makes that one situation better, right? And that's great. But when we build character and trust and stronger relationship with God, it affects every future situation we face in life for the better. Because we're different people as we go through the rest of our life. And so God, who's not short-sighted, says, yes, I want to bring you relief in that one situation. But what you don't realize is if you'll walk with me and embrace the process, not only will I bring you to the other side, but I'll make you a different person that it ends up benefiting every other situation you go through. And so God wants to to remind us that sometimes the process is important. And I think if we're not careful, we we can become so focused on what we're wrestling with that we kind of miss the big picture of what God is trying to accomplish. Because we've got to realize that, that God is at work trying to bring a destiny forth in your life that he set you apart for from the beginning of time. And what he's doing every day is he is at work building character to match your assignment. And the bigger the assignment, the more character that needs to be built. And unfortunately, we don't get to skip that process. I wish there was a get out of character free card because I would buy it if we could. But the truth is God is doing it in love because he knows he doesn't want to bring us to the place that he has for us before we have the character to sustain and walk in it. Listen, I think we can all, all we need to do is watch the news or think back over recent history and we can find people that got to a place, maybe tried to wiggle out of that process and got to a place that was bigger than their character could sustain. And those things typically don't end well, right? So sometimes we just have to realize that God loves us. He is never wasting your pain. God is never prolonging a step of obedience or, you know, as you resist the enemy, you think, God, just do it right now. And, 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 you know, he's never prolonging those things to be cruel. He's doing it because he always knows he wants to work in us for the highest good. And he knows that just getting us to the other side is one thing, but as he builds in us, it will continue to have ripple effects beneficially for the rest of our life. You know, it's funny to me that, that sometimes, you know, we cry out to God and we say things like, God, I want you to use me. I want you to do great things through my life. And I think the Lord delights in those prayers. And so he begins to set us on a path of making us ready to walk in those things. And as he does that and as he starts forming in us his character and, you know, some of that is stretching. And all of a sudden we start crying out to God and we go, God, where, what, what's happening? 
I mean, I asked you to do this great thing in my life and instead I'm going through some trials and you know, where are you in this? And I feel like for some of us, God wants to say, I'm actually in the process of answering the very prayers that you prayed. See, the thing is, you guys, when we get too focused on the end result of one situation, we actually begin to despise the very process that is taking us to the promise that we're hoping for. And so we've got to strengthen ourselves and remember that God is going to be with us in the process and he's working something that's doubly good. He's getting us to the other side and building us into new people at the same time that can hold more and more of his blessings and the things that he has for us. You know, I remember the, the Lord giving me this analogy one time where he said, Mike, building character is a lot like digging a well. It, it usually takes longer and cuts deeper than you thought at the onset. But he said, Mike, the wells that you build in your soul through times of perseverance, he said, you'll drink from those wells for the rest of your life. And those experiences will continue to nourish you as you go through future situations, future struggles, future trials. You'll be able to look back on your history with me and drink from that well again, and it will strengthen you to persevere through the next one. And can I tell you something? I've found they also become reservoirs for other people as well. That when they're going through tough times, you can pull from that experience and, and nourish them on their journey as they walk. And so we've got to embrace the process. Listen, I'm telling you, if your process has seemed long, I just want to tell you this morning, God has not forgotten about you. Amen. And I want to make you a promise that he will never waste your pain. That God will bring purpose to all of your pain if we allow him. And so we've got to embrace the process. We've got to remind ourselves of his character. We've got to embrace the process. And the third one is this. We need to remember that we're not alone. Remember that we're not alone. Hebrews 12.1 reminds us that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And it says that this should strengthen us to be able to run this race with perseverance. And what the Bible is doing is saying, hey, listen, when you face trials of many kinds, you gotta remember that you're not alone. You know, the things that we face may be individual to us, our circumstances, but, but the principles behind them are not unique, Right? The principles of wrestling with, with the enemy, the principles of trying to take a step of obedience that requires great faith and having some fear or trepidation, the, the, the principle of going through something confusing or tough or having a promise that is taking longer than we thought. These are all things that are normal to man that people have been going through for hundreds of years as they endeavor to follow God. And it's important to remind ourselves of that because if we don't, what happens is we almost can allow the enemy to get us into this mindset where we feel like we're uniquely singled out for some horrible thing which is not true. And, you know, we start to do all these things like selective comparison, right? You ever do this? You're going through a hard time, and so you find somebody whose life is going great at the moment and start to look at them and go, Jim's not having to go through anything hard right now. And then we start to wallow around, and, you know, we're like, well, I guess God just wanted to write another book of the Bible, and so he's using me to write Second Job, you know, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> we start to get down in the dumps, and we start to lose our resolve to persevere. Listen, in moments like that, another thing that helps is just begin to, to look around and look at the word. And, you know, God has given us so many examples in the word of people who faced insurmountable odds and continued to persevere in faith and watch God come through because he wanted them to encourage us, to strengthen us as we go through our own tough times. And, and you know what I think the problem is? I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice because we read the Bible 
Um, but because we know the outcome of the story, we almost read it like they knew the outcome of the story too, right? So we almost dehumanize these characters and then we find it harder to relate to them. You know, like you'll hear the story about David and Goliath. And if we're not careful, we'll be like, yeah, I know David fought Goliath. But I mean, what's, of course he did. He's a Bible guy. <laughs> you know, I'm sure David wasn't sitting there being like, man, normally I'd run away in fear. But since I'm going to be in the Bible later, you know, I better, I mean, it's not like he knew, you know. And so sometimes one of my favorite things to do is walk through the Bible and look at some of these stories to encourage myself and others and, and just look at the humanity that these people had. They were human beings. Listen, I promise every person that God overcame in a great way through their life, they were sweating bullets the whole time hoping that God would be faithful and come through. You know, you look at some of these incredible heroes that we look up to and, you know, people like Moses. You know, I, you look at this guy, and I think we tend to view Moses kind of like the old Charlton Heston movies, you know? Like he was impervious to fear, and, you know, he's like standing at the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are coming up, and he's like, ha, 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 you will not pass, Egyptians, you know? Part Red Sea, you know? And then he's like, walk through, my children. You know, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't like that. In fact, you know what the Bible tells us? That when he got to the edge of the Red Sea, even after all the miracles God had done in Egypt, you know what the Lord says to him when he sees the Egyptians coming up? He says, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Lift up your staff. Translation, Moses was panicking, okay? He said, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Lift up your staff. So you gotta realize that all these things that you see Moses go through, he was a human being. I mean, just put yourself in this guy's shoes, right? Can you imagine you're there on the backside of the desert just hanging out, watching sheep, you know? All of a sudden, this burning bush appears, and God's like, hey, I want you to go to Egypt and deliver my people Israel. And he's like, well, God, I mean, how are they gonna believe me if I, go, if I tell them that? And he's like, okay, watch this. Stick your hand in your cloak, and he sticks it in, it's normal, pulls it out, it's white. Back in, normal. Back in, white. Then he says, throw your staff down. He throws it down, it becomes a snake. Picks it up, it's a staff. Throws it down, it's a snake. Picks it up, it's a staff. And so he's like, all right, sounds great. Grabs Aaron, let's go, right? So he walks up to Egypt and shows up to the Israelites and says, hey, God has sent me to deliver you from Pharaoh. And like, well, why should we believe you? And he goes, well, check this out. And he does his little things, you know, and they're like, awesome, go see Pharaoh. <laughs> so he walks into Pharaoh. And you know, at this point, he's probably got to be feeling pretty confident, right? So he's like strutting into Pharaoh's court, you know, probably backs up, moonwalks a couple steps, keeps going, you know, he's walking in there thinking, this is going to be awesome, you know? So he walks up, he said, Pharaoh, in case you don't know yet, long time no see, by the way, uh, God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, nope, we're not doing it. And he goes, I thought you might say that. Watch this. You know, does his little magic tricks, right? Picks it up, and, and Pharaoh goes, that's great, get out. And then on top of that, he increases the Israelites' workload, and now they're like, we hate you, we wish you'd have never come. Okay, now, Moses is a human being. How many of you guys just, just try to imagine his next quiet time, right? Like, can you imagine him just going before God, and he's like, uh, Lord, I really got to be honest. Uh, I really pictured that whole Pharaoh thing going differently in my mind. You know, like, like, what was that all about? And then you know what the Lord would do? The Lord would like, hey, why don't you go ask Pharaoh again? Oh, that's a great idea. Why don't I just go back in there and ask him again? Sure, that'd work out perfect. And then you ask him, okay, well, Lord, you know, what if he says no? And you know, towards the end of this, God, you know, there were some really intimidating plagues. You know, like fiery hail and death of the firstborn. But some of the first plagues, like, they didn't sound very intimidating in the first place. Like, I could just imagine him saying, listen, I want you to go back in there. What if he says no? You tell him if he says no, I'm sending the frogs. <laughs> like, 
You want me to go back to Pharaoh with frogs? Are you kidding me? You know? <laughs> Can we do fire-breathing dragons? I mean, there's got to be something more intimidating, right? But listen, he does it, right? Time after time, persevering, walking in faith, not looking at the circumstances of the fact that Pharaoh keeps saying no over and over again. And we know that God wins an incredible victory on their behalf, right? You look at people like Daniel. This guy is so faithful, has such an incredible story. And, you know, they talk about when he was promoted, he, he would pray three times a day with his window open. And so some of the other, you know, um, royal servants get jealous of him, and so they coax the king into passing a law that says anybody that prays to anyone other than the king will be thrown in the lion's den. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm Daniel, that sounds like a great day to play, pray with the windows closed, right? Um, you know, I'm just going to close the windows and keep praying. But he doesn't. He continues to take a step of faith, doing what he feels like God has called him to do. And of course, he's arrested and taken off to the lion's den. And I don't know about you, I've never been thrown in a lion's den, but I'm pretty sure it's not good odds, okay? And so you got to realize, as he's walking out to the lion's den, I'm sure this is what's going through his mind. God, what happened? Like, you totally failed me. You told me to be bold for you in this land, and here I am, and now you're throwing me in the lion's den? I mean, this is it. It's over. But we know what happens, right? God comes through, does an incredible miracle. Same way he does for us time and time again. You know, one other one I, I love to look at is the story of Elijah. He's another one, I think, that has these bouts of boldness, but yet we see his humanity so much. You know, remember when he challenges the prophets of Baal to see which God will answer uh, with fire and consume a sacrifice and you know, wins this incredible victory, and then we find out literally Queen Jezebel threatens him the next day, and he runs for 40 days out of fear for his life. So clearly, he's not just always this bold guy that we try to make him out to be. He's a human being, just like us. You know, in fact, I wonder, you know, when I read 1 Kings 18, and it talks about God said, go present yourself um, to Ahab, to King Ahab. And, and this is where eventually Elijah challenges him to the cook-off, Right? And, and so, you know, it doesn't say, God doesn't tell him what to say. So I'm almost wondering if he gets up there and have you ever had one of those experiences where you say something in a moment of boldness and as you're saying it, you're like, no, you know, you kind of want to pull the words back in. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I could picture him, you know, just being so frustrated with all the idolatry. Like, you know, he looks at Ahab and says, oh yeah, well, why don't you get all your prophets together and make a sacrifice and I'll come make a sacrifice and whichever God answers with fire, that's the true God, you know? And then he walks away and he's like, what did I just do? You know, like, why did I say that? I mean, just imagine the pressure. The next day, all of Israel comes out, right? If it was today, there'd be news cameras and helicopters. And, and so they go through the process, right? And so the, you know, the prophets of Baal are praying, nothing happens. And so, you know, he's got to be like, sweet, we're halfway there, you know? And so then it comes his turn. He's like, okay, God, what's the battle plan? What do we do? And God says, I want you to dig a moat around your sacrifice. He's like, okay, that's kind of awkward, but, you know, he does it, right? And then you know what the Lord tells him? He says, awesome, now drench your sacrifice with water three times. <laughs> I don't know about him, but if I were, you know, Elijah, I'd be like, God, look, I'm not a chemistry major, but I really feel like we're going the opposite way with this whole thing, you know? But he does it, right? He just keeps taking one step of faith after another. Again, contrary to all logic, looks like things are going the opposite way. How in the world is God going to come through this time? But we know what happens. God comes through again, right? And can I tell you what is incredible is that through each one of these circumstances, not only did God reveal himself to that person as he came through for them, but he revealed himself through that 
person to all those around them as God created a testimony in them and through them. In fact, you look at some of these scriptures, I love it. You know, it, it says in Joshua 2.11, you know, when the Israelites had crossed the Jordan and they're getting ready to take over their first town and they send in the two spies and the spies are talking to the prostitute and we find out that the word, the, uh, the, the word of what God had done, the news of what God had done had spread to all the surrounding nations who'd begun to believe that he was the one true God. Many of them. It says this in Joshua 2.11, she's speaking, she says, when we heard of it, what your God had done, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. When God rescued Daniel from the lion's den, the king comes out and, and he says this in Daniel 6.26, I issue a new decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed and his dominion will never end. And so a whole nation comes to follow God because of Daniel's perseverance. You know, in Elijah's situation, as soon as God consumes his sacrifice with fire in 1 Kings 18, 39, it says, then when the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And can I tell you something? That's the same thing that's gonna happen in your situation. When God overcomes in your marriage, in your business, in your trial, in your promise that you're waiting for, not only does it form a testimony in you and reveal God's character, but it begins to form a testimony through you to your whole circle of influence as they see how God worked in your life. And can I tell you something? I believe for so many of you, God has things in store greater than you ever imagined. And I think this morning, he's just encouraging you, come on, don't quit, keep going, keep persevering. Don't, don't fall by the wayside. Don't just say, forget it, God. Don't give up on the promise. Don't stop walking in the way that I've called you to walk. Don't let the enemy's resistance overtake you. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Don't grow weary in doing good because that promise remains. In due season, you will reap if you don't lose heart. You know, I can tell you guys that I've walked through many, many trials in my own life. I've had my own share of hardships and things that I feel like I, you know, never could have faced. Some things I wonder if I could go through them again because they just cut me to the core in so many different areas of my life with our family, with things that we've had to wait on, with the health of our kids, with sometimes there's things that are finance. I mean, there's been in different seasons of our life. You can name it. We've been through it. And some of them are unanswered. There are some things that we're walking through right now that we just wish we could get an answer on or get a healing for or... But you know what I can tell you, having walked with God several decades, the difference now when the trials come is I have so many wells that have been dug in times of previous trial or perseverance that I can go back from and I can drink from those in that moment and they now strengthen me to continue on. Knowing God, I don't know what the outcome will be. Maybe it's gonna be exactly what I want. Maybe it's gonna be something different. But one thing I do know is that you're gonna prove faithful. I do know that you're gonna come through. I do know that you're good. I do know at the end of the day, I'm gonna be able to look back and say, God, you were so faithful every step of the way. I wanna leave you with this picture I felt like the Lord gave me for you. And it's, any of you that have had kids, you'll relate to this, but you know when you have a young kid and they're freaking out about something, maybe they're crying or they're, you know, or maybe they're distracted and they're kind of like in a frenzy, you know, kind of frenetic. And, and have you ever done this where you literally have to like take their face in your hands? You're like, hey, hey, shh, hey, 
hey, right here, look, look. You kind of have to calm them and get their attention. She's like, I'm here, you know, daddy's here, mommy's here, I, I got it, it's okay. Calm them down. I feel like it's a picture he gave me. Some of you guys are like that in your life. There's some things going on and you're frantically looking around and why did this happen and what do I do with this? How's this going to be fixed? And how's this going to be turned out? And I feel like the Lord just wants to take your face in his hands this morning and say, hey, shh, hey, hey, stop, stop looking at that. Look, look right here. Say, listen, it's going to be okay. I got you. You're not alone. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. All things are going to work together for good in your life. Just trust me. Maybe if you're a Journey fan, you can even hear him singing, Don't Stop Believing, as he holds your hands. <laughs> but he's going to come through, and he's going to prove faithful just like he has time and time and time again. I know sometimes it seems like it's been too long, or how could he ever come through? How could he ever redeem this situation? There's no way. But we serve a God that does the impossible every single day. Let me pray for you guys this morning. Father, I thank you so much for this incredible church. I thank you for the hearts, the people that are filling up every room on all the campuses. God, I pray that today maybe even you give them a glimpse of how great your love for them is. God, you don't just love humanity like a sea of people. You love each individual. That's why you gave the parable of the, the lost coin where you said you'd leave 99 and find the one and the lost sheep where they'd leave the 99 and go after the one because you wanted to communicate to us that even if there was only one person on the face of the earth, you would come after us. I pray that you'd fill each heart with the knowledge that they are that valuable to you. I love Psalm 56. It says that you catch every tear we cry in a bottle. Psalm 37 says you delight in every detail of our life. God, would you fill them with the knowledge that you care about everything that concerns them. The thoughts that you think about them outnumbers the grains of sand on the seashore. God, I pray that you'd fill them with the knowledge that whatever they're going through, God, you're walking right beside them. You're feeling their pain. You're working behind the scenes in ways that they may not be able to understand at the moment, but you're always bringing about good because that's who you are. You're only good. And it may seem tough to us. It may seem hard to us. But God, you're working for our benefit because you love us and perfect love always works for the highest good of that they love. God, would you remind us of your character that through the enemy's attacks or through steps of obedience, you ask us, you're always working for our highest good. Would you remind us of your promises that there's gonna be a harvest on the other end, that we're gonna reap, that there's gonna, things are gonna work together for good according to Romans 8, 28. Would you remind us of those things and strengthen us that we would combat all the onslaught of the enemy that tries to lay us low and say, what you're telling me is not true and I'm gonna walk by faith, not by sight. God, would you strengthen the hearts of all those that they might get to the other side and experience the fullness of what you have in store for them. God, I ask you for that in every life. Lord, I do just pray a special blessing on all the fathers again today. God, I pray that you would continue to draw them near to you, God. I know there's so many distractions in life, and if some maybe on days like today where we think about things a little bit and they're thinking, I really need to renew some things, God, would you strengthen them? Would you help them to walk closer with you that they might become all you've called them to be for their family? Lord, would you bless them for all the sacrifice, the things that they pour in every day? I just thank you for them, and God, I thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. We just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you help Bless me thank guys. Mike?